Welcome to the GNA Podcast, Games, Nerds, and Alcohol, where, yeah, still covered in poison oak, but I'm here. And I'm playing, I've been playing over and over in my head, it's because of my wife too, the itchy and scratchy theme song. Yeah, yeah, because she actually, so fun fact, she has always been uh, immune and had no allergic reaction to poison oak, ivy, or any of that crap. Well, this time around, she got slapped right in the cojones. And I still came down with it four days after yep, you. Yep, yep. So, uh, so she, uh, she got slapped with it pretty damn hard this time around. And as she, I don't know if you just heard her, but she just said that she was the actual one who was playing with it originally out there, pulling it all by herself. And she came down with it four days after I did it. So that tells you, uh, that just tells you something. It tells you how often she showers. So what she's saying is, is that she played in it. And then I suffered with you. And yeah. Gave it to yeah. you, <laughs> and I suffered. Yeah, and then Carla you know, finally say, said, "Hold up, somebody is overdue." Yeah, you know it. Uh, it's one of those things of sharing is caring, but you know she does have a shirt that says "Karma." I think you forgot some people, and I think in this case, Karma didn't forget her. Just a little behind schedule. Yeah, so, yeah, just a little, little slow, a little slow on the uptake, a little, little, uh, little timing there. But, uh, yeah, so it's been, oh, man, dude, it's been a hell of a week, and there would be nothing better than all I'd like to do than to sit down and drink a cold one. But I can't, because I, my reaction was so bad, I I literally had to go to the hospital. Like, I, I, I muscled through it. Like, if you, la- if you listen to the last episode, you'll actually hear me on there. I was covered, like, covered with it then, and I still muscled through that episode. And it got progressively worse after that to the point of like literally my, my entire body was covered in it. And I had, I called, I, I don't call into work. I never call into work. I, I will literally show up to work with a bullet wound, but I actually called into work and I'm like, I, I'm, it was two o'clock in the morning. I literally hadn't actually slept since Friday, since, since like the end of that episode. But for, and, uh, for reference, you did show up to gym class when we were kids with a broken fucking arm. I did. I did. As I, I said, I will, just, I, you're literally just tangling uh, there. Yep. Yep. I, I showed up with a broken arm. I taped it up. I used some electrical tape and I had uh, some wet, wet paper towels in there. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I showed up, sh- showed up to gym class with a broken arm. Yeah. That, that's but me. I mean, that I, tells you how much I like docs. On camera, I mean, your face is looking pretty decent, man. And and before you show me the pic, and no offense, but you look like shit in the pic. Oh, so you're looking a lot better. Oh man, I'm I am feeling a lot better. I still like I still itch all over because my body is literally rejecting my epidermis, but I'm much better. But yeah, so like I literally, dude, as I said, do you know I never call into anything. I called into work. It was two o'clock in the morning, and I'm I'm sitting literally sitting in the bathroom dumping cold water all over my body just to try to like get the reaction down so I could stop itching and I wasn't I figured out what you are uh okay you're super fucking tall you're a fucking giant and you're losing your skin like you're basically going skinless here you're mm-hmm. fucking titan from attack on titan yeah you dude you're I, gonna like, try to eat me aren't you dude I don't know if you can see my arm right here but it literally looks like muscle striation like that's I all it I see like right there it looks like a fucking attack on Titan. You sit there like, let's do the podcast. Then I might eat you. Yeah. Yeah. Or I might just. <laughs> <laughs> if for reference, that little funny little uh, meme video going around with the, the most retarded, you know, Titan. <laughs> you see, an attack in Titan, a lot of people are like, man, I'd be like, you know, 
uh, email or this one or that one. It doesn't matter if I got the God Titan, the Super Califragilistic, you know, Super Saiyan Titan. It doesn't matter what Titan I would get to like say inherit. I'd end up as that retarded Titan, no matter what. I, that'd be me. <laughs> be like, I could see it. Kind of retarded. Oh yeah, but dude, like serious, like you're immune to this stuff, and I envy you. And I used to envy my wife until I looked what happened to her, and and now I don't envy her at all. But holy shit, dude! Like if you if you can hear my voice, if you if you're one of the two people that listen to this podcast, and you're like, ah, maybe I'm going to learn from old man Cecil tonight, dude. If you see anything that's poison ivy, poison oak, just Google what the hell they look like and stay as far away from it as you can. I mean, Holy for reference, shit. he looked at me and envied me. Fuck. Yeah, yeah dude. Yeah. It's uh, like it. Uh, dude, two o'clock in the morning when I'm sitting there in the shower, I finally like I finally broke down and I, I emailed my boss. I'm like, I am not coming in. And I literally I saw my kid off to her first day of school. And then I drove directly to patient first and they didn't open for another 45 minutes. I was just showing up to make sure that I was there. It was, uh, it, it has been a horrendous ride and I'll, I'll be extremely happy when this is, when I'm done and through and just molting like a normal human being. But that's why I can't drink because I'm on drugs that if you drink, it kills you. So I'm desperately hoping that you are going to save this podcast about games, nerds and alcohol. And please tell me you're drinking something, D. I'm actually tasting a bit of a new beer. Oh, tell me about it, man. Tell me everything. So, I want to know well, everything. Well, so, of course, long time, you know, fans of the show know, like, my I preferred beer, you know, since going to Germany has always been Hefeweizen or Crystal and you know, this. And I was never a big fan of Pilsner because a lot of them are like, you know, the Pilsners are more like the almost American style beer in Germany. It's closer to like the, uh, the Buds and everything else. But, you know, so you know, getting used to that, I was always like, yeah, no, not the Pilsner. It's all right. I mean, I'll drink it at the fest, right? But I've expanded my palate more, and and I used to not like as much like the sour, or the the bitter beers, like the uh, IPAs. But they've really grown on me since, of course, hanging out with Cecil. You know, so I decided, you know what? Let me go back and ta- taste test another Pilsner, right? But uh, from Spencer Mass, the the Trappist monks, they make their own alcohol or their own beers. So the monks, you know, I taste tested some of the Trappist ales and everything else on the show already. They make a Pilsner. And let me tell you, it's it's pretty refreshing and crisp, like you chew like a pilster, but you almost get a little bit of that bitter sour of an IPA. It's about really? it, it, it since it's since it's kind of a range. They have it. It says four to seven percent of alcohol by volume, so it can vary. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's it's a you know, it's a lighter beer, so it's a lighter color. So you get like that on the attack. You get kind of like that fresh, that kind of like almost well, better than Bud, obviously better than Budweiser, but you know, a lighter ale flavor up front. And then you, towards mm-hmm. the back, you taste a little bit of that bitterness of like an IPA. But slight. It's not as much of it as an IPA. It's very fr- refreshing. And Is I was it sweet? Surprised it's not sweet. No, it's a Pilsner. So it's not really sweet. But it's almost like it could almost go partway there, but it's not quite sweet. Well, the reason I it's ask is because oftentimes when the beer has a range of ABV like that, that means that there's they have a lot more, um, not canning sugar, but a lot more sugar or sweetener, whatever, whatever they use for the yeast to grow off of yeah, uh, in the system. So it, it brews more in the bottle. Yeah, but it's it's not sweet because it's got that you know the bitter in the back. But it's all it's it's like you know it's on the cusp of becoming sweet. You know what I mean? Like it's it's almost there. Yeah. No, that sounds incredible. Who makes it? Uh, it's actually the made by the Trappist monks it, right here in Spencer, Massachusetts, not too far from me. Man, save me, uh, save me one of those because I'm I don't know when the next time I'm gonna be up, but save me one of those because I would I would definitely like to try that. That sounds it sounds really good. 
It is very tasty. In fact, you know, I, I've never been much of a Pilsner guy, but you know, I could sit and kick back and drink this pretty much all day. Yeah, that that actually sounds pretty refreshing. So, like, I don't mind. Uh, you know, it it all, all depends on the mood I'm in. I actually don't mind American lagers. I don't mind. I mean, I've come to like find find what I like in IPAs, but it's I think I found what I like in IPAs because IPAs tend to be a bit more of a stronger beer, and I like kind of a. Kind of like I kind of like a hard hit, you know. When I'm drinking something, I don't want to sit there and have to drink 15 of them to finally, you know, catch a little bit of a good feeling. I like to have one or two and be like, "Yeah, all right, I'm feeling relaxed. I'm feeling good." You know, that's why I like uh, that's why I like a lot more hard alcohols like rums and stuff like that because I can sit down, I can have two knuckles in a glass, and by the time I'm done with two knuckles in a glass, it's like, oh, I'm feeling warm. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling relaxed. Exactly. You know, relaxed that's, and warm. Yeah, that's and that's the whole for me. You know, that's the whole point of drinking is to. Just help me relax. Just help me to chill out. Taste, relax, and good feelings. Yeah, you don't yeah. need to get blitzed or anything else. And uh, you definitely want to be more of a cheap day because, frankly, it gets a little pricey to have a high tolerance. Oh God, yeah, it does. But uh, I mean, I'll, I'll drink. I, I feel. I think that everybody should get good and good and snookered at least once a year. There's been a couple of years going back that I think I got snookered way more times than once a year, and I'm going to blame this show for a bunch of them. But on that, I, I definitely. I definitely have a nice block of time that I was pretty for schnookered most of the time. And I'm going to blame that on the army. <laughs> a whole lot of us were pretty for schnookered the entire time. And I don't blame you at all. But, uh, I think the worst was, and I'm surprised nobody died, is me just a few of us, just like like maybe four or five of us came back, you know, yeah, after deployment. We polished off $1,500 worth of liquor in a night. Jesus. I I was sick for about a week, but I I, I lived. But I mean, it was like we all were just so blasted. At least I think it wasn't a night. It might have bled over a little bit. But we were on yeah. leave and we just all just sat down. My buddy had a, you know his, his own like little bar. So he had a whole bar set up. He spent some money on it. And we just all polished off. In the morning, he's like, the fuck did we do? How did we do this? Yeah, I remember those nights. I remember those nights of just pulling out. God, I remember that one night. Uh, God, I think it was when, uh, I think it was when Rick came back. Like he came back from leave or something and I threw a party and we all got, I mean, I had so much booze there. And the next day I had so many empty bottles. I was just like, what the fuck? Like, how did we do that? It was the same night that, uh, that Sarah came down with a nitroglycerin in the bottle. Oh my God. Yeah. That we almost died. Yeah. I've never seen a fat man move that fast, but man, there were some very fat men moving very fast that night. That was a fun night because, you know, even I was back on leave. Were you there? Yeah, when she came, when, when Sarah came down and said, Cecil, is this it? Waving the bottle oh, and we all dived yeah. out of every fucking window oh, and God. door. Yeah, and Zyber sitting there pointing on And there was Gurr like pointing with him going, and I'm like, guys, are you okay? What the hell's wrong with you? And they're like, turn around. And I turn around and I just, right, I, like, it's like everybody in the in the whole building like was just, there was so much noise going on. I turn around. I see Sarah with that bottle and I just yell, don't move. That place went so silent. You could have heard a pin drop. And yeah. And the people scattered. Yeah, yeah, that was a wild I, I, I night. I booked out of there like, yeah, all you heard was, poof. yeah, that was, that was a wild night. I'll tell you that much. It's a good night. Next morning was funny. I may have broken the sound barrier escaping. That. Oh, dude. There, as I said, there were so many people who moved so friggin' fast. I was, I was astonished. Well, let's go on to the next segment. Um, 
state of games state of games is where we we're we talk about what we've been playing for the past week or we just pontificate on how we feel gaming is in general today and yeah so what's your state of games there guy a little bit all over the place i mean I, i've been spending some time uh you'll start to see you can start to see some of it i actually got some new furniture and i've started rearranging the entire game room i'm actually going to be throwing out this couch i'm getting a new couch coming in next week too yeah man I'm, from what i can see it looks good Wife was like, "Yeah, you can get uh, here's a you know you could take this chunk of cash and just redo the room." So that's that's what we're doing. Got a that's new awesome, TV man. too up there. So it's like, yeah, I've been you know getting all kind of squared away. It's still a little bit of a mess, but um, it's coming along. Yeah, got a nice little game time. But uh, as far as playing games, uh, you know, been playing of course the normal with the kids. You know, we've been playing some uh, Stardew Valley with the kids. We do that almost every night. Play some Terraria with the kids. Um, I'm still playing kind of like the re the the pixel remasters of the Final Fantasies on the PC. How are they? It's pretty good. They kind of almost they almost preserve somewhat of the graphics and the feel of the old, but it has that background of nice updated pixel graphics that make it very pleasant. Hmm. Yeah, controls are still there. The, the, yeah, everything's. I mean, it's pretty much still the same game. There's only one thing that I've noticed they've removed from the first Final Fantasy that I've seen that got removed since like the original NES one, and I and I don't see this in any of the remakes at all. And I noticed it, and it bugs me. <laughs> but, what is um, it? I'm yeah, I know. I was just gonna build in suspense. I know, I know, I know. You got me nodded a bit. So remember in the first, in the very first one, right? You just finally get your ship, right? And you cruise on down to see the Elven City, right? You know, Elf's asleep. So and you, and of course, you want to get some new gear, right? Go down to the weapon shop. You get your normal weapons, like you have in all the other games, to the remakes of them all, right? There's one weapon missing from everything since the original. Kind of for that time and period of the game, there's kind of a little bit of an overpowered silver sword for 4,000 GP. It's like obscenely more expensive than anything else. And I pick up on it because I play the original here and there. And I always, the first thing I always do is like, I'm going to level grind till I get enough money to buy that fucking sword. I do it every time. And every remake, it's like, there's no silver sword. It's missing. It's been missing since. You can go back and you can prove me, you know, me right. You can go back, start playing the very original on the NES or we can, I can stream it. See me go there. There's the silver sword, four grand. Open up any one of these other remakes, you know, whether it be the PlayStation, you know, the one on the PC, no silver sword. I wonder why it's not there. I don't know. Is it, but is it, it just bugs. obscenely overpowered? It's not too obscenely overpowered, but it's pretty powerful for that time period of the game. So it helps if you save up and get it. One, you're already level grinded a bit to, to get it. Everything else is like four or five hundred. It is like four thousand. But it is pretty, it, it is strong and it, and it carries you through for a while before you need to upgrade to another more powerful weapon. So, I mean, it, it does give you a little bit more of a, you know, more of an edge, you know, but it's not like so obscenely, it's not game breakingly powerful, but you also got to, you got to level grind, you got to work for it too. I mean, it's, it's, it, when everything else is costing you four or 500 at the most powerful weapons and armor, and this is four grand, it, it takes you a while, but it's just one of those things I notice is like, why do they take that out? I like trying to get that. And it's just one of my weird little quirks when I play the game. Yeah, maybe they're, I don't know, maybe they're just trying, maybe they recognize it as a bad balance in the early game or something, and they just said, oh, let's just nuke it out in any remakes? Could be, I, I mean, because then, then it's like, there's a couple decent weapons you get later on, but then it's still a little bit more powerful, so you don't, and then eventually you just get a bunch of more stuff, and it's like, it becomes obsolete. You know, it just, it, 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 I think even some of the more stronger weapons later in the game aren't quite that expensive, but I might have just been kind of a, a, a bad call, but I like doing it, so that's, it's, I picked that up, you know? Yeah, I'm trying to think of, there's been other, I think Dragon Warrior, or maybe Dragon Warrior 2 had one of those where it was just like, oh, I got to grind for that. I got to grind. I just got to save up and grind for that. And I don't know. It. Uh, I think it I, I think it can have value to a game because if you want the person to have fun, 
you're kind of giving them a a goal to set for. You know, if you if you grind enough to buy this weapon, then you're good for the next segment of the game, type of thing. Well, that's what I kind of do, like in the Final Fantasy of the Dragon Warriors. It's like before I hit the next section of the game or go for the next boss fight, I like to grind until I can get all the weapons upgraded and all the magic and everything else, and I'm like set. You know, and of course some some items like you know your potions and stuff like that to kind of carry along. I like to get to that point, and then it's like now I'm ready to progress. And I, I do that religiously. That's just a quirk of mine. I just do it like, you know, like OCD, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's that's the same way I've been forever. I actually been, uh, one of the games I've been playing on my phone is Dragon's Warrior 2. Dragon nice. Warrior 2. Because um, I went, I bought Dragon Warrior 1, then Dragon Warrior 2 is there. So I'm like, oh, Dragon Warrior 2, let me do this. And I love those old games. They're good. They've, it's got upgraded, uh, it's got like the upgraded pixel graphics. So it's not yeah. the, it's not the, it's not the old NES graphics. True original, so yeah, it, it looks, it's more palatable to the eye. Uh, and it's good. It's pretty true to the original. I've enjoyed it. I've also been playing a bit of, uh, Aliens Firestorm Elite or Fireteam Elite and Destiny 2. What's funny is, 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 you know, that actually Dragon Warrior, aka was supposed to be Dragon Quest, but a, uh, copyright infringement. Uh, you know, infringement was what basically prevented them from porting the name over here, hence Dragon Warrior. You know, that actually was like the first JRPG to reach over here, and that actually came up before Final Fantasy. Ah, I, I did know that. Actually, it was one, it was ironically one of the first RPGs I ever played. Uh, and I can tell you, I played it over at Jason Crash's house. I'm pretty sure it was there. Yeah, I do. Like, I actually have the first four on NES here, too. I, I, don't, I think I have the first one on NES. I don't think I have anything past that, though. They're good. They're fun games. They're uh, you know, they're they're you know, they're compared to nowadays where everything is open world and everything is non-linear and all this other shit. They're uh, you know, they're very they're very on rails. They're very, you know, you got to go to point A to point B to get point C and yada 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 and get all this done. And it's nice because it it's the exact same reason why I've always why I always liked the Final Fantasy games. They were always they were less of a video game and more like an like a book. Yeah, they're a you fantasy know. story. It, it's yeah. great. They always had good storyline. But what was cool is like I liked it because it was kind of open world because you can explore anything. But at the same time, kind of linear kept you on track because you had to, you know, one there's always clues, but you had to figure out you had to get certain things before you can progress. Yeah. And with especially with the dragon warriors, it's like, yo, I can I can explore all this area, but if you go too far, you will fucking die. Yeah. It's yeah, like, you'll you'll find some... going, you, you take that one step too far and all of a sudden, hey, it's a battle. Is it another one of these Wavern guy? What the fuck? Oh my god, my guy's dead in one hit. What the hell? Yeah, what is this and why is it orange? Wait a minute, it attacks first, but I've been attacking first this whole time. What the F is going on? I've been yeah, one hit killing every enemy. I took one step too far and I'm dead. Yeah, it's one of the big reasons why, like, uh, I mean, I look, don't get me wrong. I love Bethesda games. They're buggy messes and they're fun as hell. But there's just, like, trying to keep track of a cohesive storyline in it is tough. Because there's so much to do, and it's so like there's a linear storyline, but the way they designed the game, it's so non-linear that it's tough to really narrow down exactly what's going on, unless you just focus and say, "Okay, I'm only going to do the main quest, so I can figure out what the hell story they're trying to tell me." Um, that's, and that's yeah, you can do that. Balances, yeah, that's one of the balances I, I really like what they did with the uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild on the Switch. Is it's open world? You can go anywhere the hell you please. I mean, it is open world, but there's also enough clues, there's enough of a beaten path where you could pretty much linear just shot through, knock out what you need to do and beat the game and everything else, get the storyline. So it's it's a good, you can do either or, and, and it's pretty much seamless. Like you don't get so trapped up in one or the other. You can really choose how you play. And I think they hit a nice balance. Of 
Yeah, and that's what I think you really need. You really need some sort of balance. And and for for me, I'm not saying for every gamer, um, because I'm I'm judging by how well all of these games are selling. It's obvious that I'm in the minority of the thinking here. But just like looking at games like The Witcher Three, um, even Final Fantasy Fifteen, I mean, even taking a look at like GTA and stuff like that. Uh, you know, the, the, the new incarnation, you know, GTA 5 and, and GTA 4. Like looking at all those, it's just, there's, there's so much to do. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's staggering. Like, I, but Fire Team Elite, I, I actually really enjoy that because there's, it's, it's incredibly linear, but the mechanics of the game are fun. Shoot xenomorphs in the face, make them explode. Yeah. Cause like, I mean, that's I mean, it. it's good to have a lot to do in a game because you really get your money's worth, but it's sometimes also like that simplicity of really good gameplay. Sometimes you don't need all the extra stuff. Like one of the really cool just, you know, just game mechanics, like really good simplicity of plays is, and it's more of a geometric, it's not superb like graphics, but it was a geometric shooter. It was actually called Child of Eden on the Xbox 360. If you use the Kinect, you could sit there and actually like steer and shoot and everything else, use your body. And, but the game mechanics were a lot of fun. It was very simple, but it, it really worked. I really enjoyed playing that game over and over again. Yeah, like that's one of the things that I, I like. I've come to grow and f- and figure out for myself about myself. Not, and it, this isn't like, hey, this is some wisdom that everybody should know. I'm not saying this is my opinion. So if you're thinking I'm talking like that, you know, get your head out of your ass. No, I'm not doing that. Uh, but what I've just come to figure out over, uh, you know, just over the years is. Like, there are certain parts of a game that I will jump into. Like, when it comes to RPGs and stuff like that, I really enjoy when there's a story to be told and they can portray that story to you in a very, a very, not easy, but in a very fun fashion where, you know, you, you know that you're going to have the grind, but the whole game isn't about the grind. The whole game is about the story. The grind is just how you get to the story. Um, but I've also learned that there's, you know, other games I just, if it's got, if it has good gameplay, if the mechanics of the game are fun, and I'll cite two that I've cited, I think, more times than I, I need to. But uh, Sea of Thieves. Sea of Thieves, the mechanics of the game are just fun. They're just downright especially entertaining. Get, especially if you get your buddies all together in the same game. Yeah, you start drinking some rum, you start shooting each other out of cannons, you start taking on pirate ships. It's it's genuinely a fun experience. And even when you got those those dickhead players out there griefing you, just chasing everybody around and just sinking their ships, stealing their treasure... I mean, it's a pirate game. It's kind of expected. So it, <laughs> it's kind fun. of ironic. Why are there griefers in a pirate game? Yeah, I mean, like that's uh, literally what pirates like were. Uh, and No Man's <laughs> Sky, like No Man's Sky, even when it first came out, the mechanics of the game, the the basic game plan mechanics were fun. They were yeah. entertaining I mean, to me. The PR and what people thought was promised is what really killed it in the beginning. But you know what? Honestly, the gameplay was still a lot of fun. It, it was, I, you you advised that I got it, and I got it too, and I, I saw a lot of the negativity, but I was like, this is actually pretty fun. Yeah, I mean, so like it in the beginning, so way back when No Man's Sky first came out, uh, there you know it, there really wasn't anything to do. Like it was go find your ship, repair your ship, and then fly to the center of the galaxy. Like that's that was the only thing you really had to do. There was almost no storyline. There was no base building. And it was literally just fly around in a ship, collect resources, put stuff on your ship, go to space stations, put more stuff on your ship. And basically, it was just a wash, rinse, and repeat. But the mechanics were genuinely entertaining to me, uh, especially when you jump into a ship and you fly and you break atmosphere 
and just that whole feeling of getting into space and finding another planet and then search, you know, just you get onto a planet, you're like, oh my God, this is a barren wasteland. And then you're like, all right, well, I'll jump to this other planet. I got enough fuel to get there. And then when you get to that planet and you realize, crap, I'm really low on, on fuel. And you get to that planet, and you're like, this is a barren wasteland. And you're going, man, I can get to this last planet that's in this solar system, but crap, if there's nothing on this planet, I'm, I'm really screwed. So then you get to that planet and you find it's a barren wasteland, but it just happens that if you spend long enough there and keep searching and digging, you find what you need to fuel your ship. So, I mean, it was even at the beginning, it was, uh, it was, you know, as I said, there wasn't a lot to do, but the, the mechanics, the general, the general gameplay was fun. Or you find what I found. It's like, oh, look at this. There's all kinds of light and it's trying to kill me. <laughs> yeah, there's that too. Where but, everything uh, did try I mean, to kill And me. now they added like civilizations and colonies and shit. It, oh, it's, man. Dude, Hello Games has, like, what they described they wanted that game to be. They've worked I'm, towards it. I'm getting, I'm giving them props. They have worked towards it. But there's only, like, keep in mind, Hello Games is only, I think, like, 26 employees. And they've been doing, these aren't paid downloads in DLC. This is update. Yeah, yeah, this is just for, and, and you know, to, to what they said, one of the things I can recall them saying is the game they wanted to make was, and they listed all this other crap off, and they've literally put in everything. I think everything. I'm, you know, I'm going on memory really here. Bad PR that bit him in the ass because people thought that they meant that they're going to get that game up front. Yeah, and, but it's 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 really like this is what we want to do with the game. This is what we're going to do. This is what we want to do. Yeah, but and they the just didn't is, stop people from thinking that. That's that's bad yeah. on them. They really should have specified yeah. and cleared it all up and been like, hey, look, yeah. you know. They thought they thought the extra PR and everything else was a good thing, but they didn't stop some of the bad you know, or some of the demanding, more demanding and obscene rumors. So they ended up everybody expecting a bigger game. Yeah. But in their defense, though, they never stopped working towards that ideal game. Yeah. And that's they, without without charging us extra money for DLC. That's pretty fucking impressive. Yeah, and they, you know, I. I I give Hello Games a huge like attaboy because they said this is the game we wanted to make. And then even after a botched release, like absolutely botched with everything that happened, even after that, even after all the negative PR, after people cursing their name, after literally them, them making a, uh, make coining a phrase of, Oh man, they pulled another no man's sky. Even after all of that, after all of that, after getting taking so many on the chin, they still kept going and they still kept going through. And that's character to me. You know, that's that's something I don't think you would ever see in coming from EA or Activision or, you know, any of the big name companies. Especially, I just, not, I without, especially not making up to a promise without charging extra money. EA is like, yeah, we, we, we told you that, but we meant uh, for an extra price. Well, I, I don't even think that they would do it for an extra price. I, I honestly think that with that big of a botch, they would have just they, thrown it out in the garbage. They would, they would have just said, you know what, this is a failed experiment. Let's let's chuck this and try something else. Um, yeah. And I so I got to give Hello Games a huge props. At the at the same breath, even though it's a game I love dearly, I got a I got a rag on Gun Media for when the whole lawsuit thing came out with uh you know with Jason Voorhees and all that crap and Friday the 13th you know they just cut and run they just said you know what uh yeah this is going to screw even though nothing was pointed at them no, no litigation was pointed at them whatsoever nobody was barking at them legally they just said yeah you know what this is a bad scene and we're just getting out of it we're not we're not going to try to make the game that we promised we're not going to add all this stuff in that we've been talking about we're actually cutting and running 
But when when you start having pop losses pop up, it can get people pretty uh, kind of skeeved out. Because I mean, even when you think that you're in the safe zone, look at like how voracious Nintendo goes after anything that even looks like their IP. Yeah, but the thing is, like, that's you make a joystick. They're like, that's our patent. It's like you didn't patent all of joysticks on the planet. <laughs> it was arcade. They go a little crazy. So I, mean, I can see how somebody can get like, you know, when you start seeing big lawsuits going back and forth and everything, I, I can see some people getting scared. I'm not justifying. I just can see, understand the kind of the fear factor. No, I, I can definitely see something, somebody getting scared. But, you know, when, you know, when it's literally, it's kind of, it's kind of like the thing of, I don't know, I guess that don't count your chickens before they hatch thing. It's just kind of the reverse of that. You know, don't don't assume the worst until it happens. You know, they, for, for everything that they had up until that point, they were still in their legal rights because they had acquired licensing for it from the person who had the license at the time. They had acquired the legal rights to go ahead and do this. And until those legal rights were revoked, I mean, in my opinion, they should have kept going. They should have just been like, hey, look, you know what? We're going to keep going until we're told to stop. I agree. I mean, I, I would have, I would have liked to have seen that too, because it's like, well, it's like until that, like, say, but if they, if they have the rights to the contract, as long as it doesn't expire, like within that contract, what it says is like technically, I mean, I'm sure there's other like state laws and there's other laws that if if a contractor, the owning of the IP gets changed hands, I'm sure there's some other legalese, but I, I don't think there's any way, shape, or form they would have been targeted for a lawsuit unless. The terms came where, okay, it transfers hands. Now you can't do it without a new agreement. And if they decide to continue to barrel forward. Exactly. So exactly. I, fine. I mean, I could see why the fear, but at the same time, it's like, you guys had it locked in the IP. You had the rights. You worked it out on a contract with the person that was the license holder. Yeah. And, should and, even, kind of and when they stopped, the person who had the license holder, they the, the, they still had the license. You know, it hadn't, the, the, the litigation hadn't fallen, it hadn't completed. So they still owned, you know, they still own the IP. So yeah, I mean, Gun Media, you know, if you're listening, you let me down, guys. You let me down. But, uh, but I gotta say, I'm really happy with, you know, Aliens games. I, I love the Alien series, like just too much. And Aliens games always get a bad rap. And it's, uh, look, it's because of Colonial Marines. Uh, you know, a- AVP2 wasn't exactly that fantastic. AVP, the the rebellion made by I think it's Red Rebellion or Rebellion software or whatever. Um, that one was uber fun. Like I love that game. Which um, which one was on the that got released on like the 360 and came in like a little special edition of the statue, but got a bad rap. That was uh, that was Colonial Marines. And I, I and if you look, even likes that one. He's if a big, you look you know, fan of right actually there, you'll see that there's that yellow smudge there. That's actually the statue from it. That's the yeah. power loader with an alien on it right there. Well, it's actually, it's better than a smudge for my eye, so. Oh, good. Also, it looks better than your, mine. It just looks your, like your a yellow camera, Your camera's coming through pretty clearly for mine, so I, I can oh. tell. Yeah. It's pretty so, yeah, nice. That's, that's that right there. But yeah, I mean, uh, a- they had an AVP that came out on 3DO, I think, and I don't think I ever played it. No, Atari Jaguar. Not 3DO. Yeah, Atari Jaguar. It was, it, it was, yeah, an alien versus predator on Atari Jaguar. Yeah. Um, I actually had it for a period of time. Yeah, I don't think I've ever played it. I think I tried to find an emulator and the game just so I could try it and just be like, all right, I'm going to throw on, throw on the eye patch and I'm just going to play this game because I never got a chance to and I can't get my hands on a Jaguar now and I don't even know how the hell I would get my hands on a Jaguar now, but let me just go and try I it. Actually, so I, don't even, I don't think I, I ever played it. For a while when my collection got really big, I actually had a Jaguar 3DO. <laughs> I can they were expensive it. and a pain in the ass to collect for and there isn't a huge library, so it was kind of like a, eh. 
And I mean, the game still had like, say, even some of the more expensive games to collect for other than like the AVP on the Jaguar. But a lot of the other games had better ports on other systems anyways in the same yeah. game. So it was kind of like, I mean, it was like, you know, on the three day, you had like, you know, you had like Gex and Zoop and all that stuff, but they're on fucking everything. And then you had the, you know, the Tar Jaguar. It's like nothing really that you the 3DO did have one RPG on it I'd like to get a hold of, but that thing's like a fuck. Even back then, it was a obscene amount of money. It's super rare, and just it's really not worth the fucking price tag that comes along with that game. Which one? I'm trying to remember the name off the top of my head, and I can't, but there's one RPG that came out for it that was like a JRPG. Hmm. And it, it, even if as of a few years ago, it was like going for like 600 fucking bucks a pop. Jesus. That's yeah, before that's, the record really much. shot up, and it's like... Yeah, that's just too much. And the kicker is, before I knew about the 3DO, like like right before I first got it, and I was just getting into it. The kicker is, is is like a little old game store that was just a you know in a pile that nobody's buying. I was like, hey, that's pretty now. It looks like like what's a 3DO? It looks like there's an RPG right there, a few bucks. And I was like, nah, wonder if that would be any good. Yeah, well, well, turns out it was that fucking game. Oh <laughs> it like, man, it was like three or four dollars, and now I see the price tag is six hundred. I'm like, god damn it. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's a kick right in the crotch. Well, so funny thing, because I keep talking about aliens, um, I actually picked up something that really? I'm actually excited to read through and then get a game together at some point in time. Because I know you've been like really cutting down on stuff. Ooh, Alien, the RPG? Yeah, it's a, a tabletop RPG. It's officially released. Uh, it's nice. endorsed by 20th Century Fox by Free League Publishing. Came out in 2020. So you're going to include me in that, right, man? You know, I'm, I actually think I'm going to read through this guy and see where it is. So what I read, I read some reviews online about it, and they said it was, you know, table, a lot of the average tabletop RPG stuff. Um, they said it was fun. designed around more of the fast-paced, like, uh, run-and-gun type of, you know, horror elements. So... You know, expect a, expect a lot of enemies being thrown at you and a lot of I got to stay moving because otherwise I'm going to get nuked. But uh, yeah. Which so is it's, accurate. It's kind of like the movies. If you stay to one, yeah, it's pretty accurate. Yeah, there's 300, uh, 390 pages, it looks like. Uh, 380 something pages. It sounds like it could be fun. Oh, and they even have space combat because there's a space combat map. So that's pretty neat. Yeah. And there's uh, looks like there's a one off. Um. Yeah, it looks like there's a one-off. Uh, like what's the sample campaign? Yeah, yeah. Called Hope's Last Day. That sounds neat. Yeah. So it looks like uh, you even get a little scenario to play in here. It's a at least a, to break you into how to, how to DM and everything. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And and I got one thing. So I, I'm a book man. I really am. Uh, I, I spend so much time on computers that I like the feeling of a book in my hand. Uh, well, you should see my little library going on the living room. I mean, I have all the Token, the Robert Jordans. You know? Yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got Token. I got Poe. I've got, uh, God, I've HP got Lovecraft so, for me because I love cosmic oh, horror. I've got, uh, I've got the Grimm's Tales uh, in a nice oh, leather bound here, book. Man. Yeah, oh, man, I grew God. up on Grimm's Tales. You know, European family. They're always like, let me terrorize you. It's like, you know, it's it's not like why don't you do this? You could get hurt. It's why don't you do this? Well, let me the tell you the terrifying tale of how these kids got eaten by some fucking goblin. You know, it's like, yeah. Well, so one of the things that I want to point out is that this book is actually a really nice quality book. Um, it looks, it just looks like it feels like the good quality, like say paper the, and, and, and hardcover that you get. Yeah, the, the decent the RPG book. The pages are thick, and they actually have that kind of, you know, that like really thick 
magazine like that matte feeling like the yeah. matte finish on yeah. them yeah, yeah that really thick matte feeling that you get like in a yeah. really good magazine like they've got that yeah um, like on the higher end magazines versus the older kind of yeah almost newspaper <clears throat> feeling like yucky ones yeah the the font on it is it's really it's a really it's easy to read it's really nice they've got uh they've got things broken down to like things that you do like work for hire things like they, they've they've broken it down so that you can really flesh out and make a world out of it not just you're jumping in and fighting xenomorphs which when i first started when i first saw this my first thought was oh great this is going to be a straight running and gunning here's how you build a dungeon crawl and that's it uh and i'm i'm pleasantly surprised on what i've thumbed through so far it looks like it's really it's it's a well-designed rpg you know it's got what you can do on off hours, you, what you can do, um, you know, what you can do in town. Uh, you know, it's, so they it's, put a little heart and soul, a little love in this one. Yeah. Yeah. Rather it, than a quick licensing knockoff, you know, just make some cash on it and an IP. It looks like this is a little bit more thought going into this one. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, of course, you're going to start off. I mean, if I don't start this way, then I would be a mess. You know, I'm going to be starting with you all are intergalactic miners stuck on a ship one of you are gonna get infected and guess what's gonna happen you're gonna have oh, a friggin xenomorph running around and what universe do you start is somebody badass like fucking ripley other than the movies you know I mean? exactly exactly <laughs> yeah, and you know what that i i've dude look i have a really soft spot for alien movies and i have i've probably if I haven't read all of the books, I've read all of the books that were released up until about 2008 that came out for Aliens. Um, seen every movie more times than I could possibly count. In fact, Aliens, the, the Aliens movie is probably rivaling right next to how many times I've seen Down Periscope. And if anybody knows me, they know that I've seen Down Periscope a lot. However, I really did like the atmosphere of Alien. So that's where I like to start. And and when I say I want to start there is that that's the kind of RPG that I want to run for a first bout in this. I don't want it to be a run and gun dungeon crawl. I want it to be, you know, but it's going it, to, it's, and that's the thing is that whoever I get to play, they're going to have to be good actors. Like they are going to have to be, they are going to have to be 100% jumping into this role because, dude, it's aliens. There's, it's too easy to meta the game. Like, it's too easy to meta the whole scenario. You know it's a xenomorph. You know that if you stab it, it's going to bleed acid blood, and it's going to get all over the place, so you know to get out of the way. You know, a, a first-round people trying to take, trying to figure this thing out, they're not going to know that. And, I, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to really have to find a core group of, like, three to five people and be like, all right, you got to be able, to, like, you got to be able to play an actual character. This is, this isn't going to be intro to D&D night. This is going to be, this is going to be your playing a role. Without the knowledge of watching the movie, without the, the, the knowledge, like your in-game characters never going to have the knowledge we have watching the movies, reading the comic books. And you got to play to, you know, your dude's scared. You got a knife. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's going to happen. You, you have like, that's the thing, you know, but that's one of the disconnects that I always find in role playing games. And it's something that's always, especially now that D, that just tabletop role, role playing games have become so, popular. Po- yeah, so popular. Um, is that people just, they know so much and they meta the hell out of the game and it makes it less fun. But and it that's is why also it's also difficult not to at the same time. It's like, I don't want to kill my character. 
but my character wouldn't know this, but I know better. It is. It can be kind of challenging. It's like oh, oh, one hundred percent. And you know what? You is. always meta. You always meta a little bit, no matter what, because it just it just happens. But a good player. I mean, it's called a role playing game. For a reason. Beginning of it called role playing. You're playing a role. You're not jumping in and being a god. It's just exactly like okay, so playing a, a role playing game, a role playing video game. Well, when you run around and you start talking to such different people and you're like, well, wait a second, I know that this is happening, but your character doesn't. So when they go and talk to people, they can't say, hey, what's happening with this war over here? Well, they can't ask that question because he doesn't know about the war going on over there. This character doesn't know anything about it. So they can't start asking questions about it until that, they figure they're not it out. they flying dragons and killing gods. They're, they're beating up fucking slimes and rats. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right? So it's not like it's not like they have this all knowledge of exi- everything that's happening in the kingdom, but just because you as the player knows that doesn't mean that your character does. Exactly. And that's the type of thing is that when you're playing a when you're playing a tabletop role playing game, there's that disconnect because everybody already knows it. Everybody knows what's going to happen. Everybody like okay, I'll take uh take the salt marsh thing, okay? When mm-hmm. we first started playing that, I had several people at the table. And I'm not going to throw out names because I don't want to like throw somebody under the bus and be like oh yeah no everybody had fun and that was the important part i found frustrations because i'm the dm and i found frustrations uh but there were some magic traps that when something went off like when somebody got close to something or tried to fiddle with something it would make the sound of like you know hideous or or menacing laughter or a a blood-curdling scream in the next room type of thing uh because they were going through a haunted house now Anybody who's played Dungeons and Dragons knows knows what a I think it's called a noise trap. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody knows what they are. So when they get close to something or they touch something, and then all of a sudden, boom! There's this blood curdling scream. Yeah, look, they put two and two together, and they don't actually react. Well, in the game, I said, okay, well, everybody roll. And there were a couple of people that failed the check, and I said, okay. Um, and I you know looked at them. I said, look, uh, that scare, you know, that scream, it. It tore you down to the soul, man. You're you're terrified right now. And out of the people that I told that to, uh, a couple of them played into it, and they started their character reacting that way. And I, you know, they had to run with or roll with disadvantage on on some things. And then there was one that didn't. That you know, they knew what it was. They knew that it was a noise trap. Uh, they knew that it was a. They knew that it was magic sitting there. So they continued to play. Like immediately they went, oh, well, I'm going to do this so that I, I, I can I can start searching for this. And I'm like, OK, you know, I knew it right off the bat what they were doing. And I was like, OK, so then I had to play through that. I'm like, um, and I'm like, OK, well, if you're going to meta, that means that I'm going to hold this like literally I'm going to hold this down to the finite measurement. You know, this spell can only see through this much brick, this much wood, this much concrete. OK. I measured all the shit out and I said, all right, this is exactly what you see. And it was just, it's frustrating as a DM because in a situation, if you were, if you were in a group and you heard a blood curdling scream and it terrified you, your first thought would not be, let me continue to look for more. Especially if you're in a quote unquote haunted house, most of us would be like, all right, I'm out. I'm fucking out. Or, Or, 
Or what would happen is the people who weren't scared would say, hey, look, guys, you know, the the, the person would react of crap, guys, there's something really wrong here. We got to get out of here. And the people or, who weren't scared would say, hey, hold on. We're here for a reason. We're supposed to be doing this. Come on, let's keep going. I'm going to be your strength. Or somebody's in trouble. Let's go and help this person. Yeah. yeah. Or that, holy yeah. crap. Did you hear that scream? They may be in trouble. We have to help them and try to turn that fear around. But, you know, it it is what it is. And, and that's one of the things of, uh, you know. As a DM, I just love playing. As a DM or as a player, I just love playing. That's that's my joy. I find joy in just playing. And even when people throw some really wacky shit out there, and I'm going to throw this at you, Zyber, if you're listening, when you make a dildo bat in a Vampire the Masquerade game, when you're not, repeat, not supposed to be letting people know that you're a vampire at all, and you make a dildo bat and start beating people to death with it, even when some zany shit gets thrown out there, I still enjoy it because it's like, you know what? I did not expect somebody to make a dildo bat. I'm going to run with this. Let's see what this let's see what this turns out to be, you know? But, but, but that would be just like, fucked up to a crazy person too. Yeah, but, uh, but I don't know if that's kind of a stereotype of vampires. Yeah, but but this and the thing is his character, like his character didn't come from crazy. His character was like a porn star. Now yeah, he may be a little mentally unstable because he's a porn star. And not to say that all porn stars are mentally unstable, but I don't know. You're a porn star, you get your dick bitten, you get turned into a vampire, and maybe that might mess you up. I don't know. But it's not like he came from a background where he's like a nut job. He came from a background where, look, he made money because he's Mandingo. He's not a Malkavian, right? Uh, I don't think he was a Malkavian. No, that, that, no, no, he yeah. wasn't. That's, that's why I'm being funny. Because, yeah. But even so, like a lot of people like you know, think Malkavians are the stark raving mad madmen running around. No. Insanity takes many forms. Yeah. You aren't well, necessarily stark raving mad. It might just be something off about them, but and they could actually generally be insane, but it's not always blatant. It's sometimes a lot yeah. more subtle. They could be sitting there and be perfectly fine. And then one day they're just you just look over and they're like, you know, they eating a cockroach for some reason. You're like, Are you okay? And they're like, Yeah, I'm fine. Why? Or like triggering somebody that has bipolar disorder or something. They find most of the time and all of a sudden it's like, holy, who the hell is this? Yeah, holy crap. They just turned hardcore. Um, but yeah, so that's why like I I really enjoy the aliens. Like just the whole everything about it. Just the, just the horror about it. The action about it. The different mythos about it. Going back, you know, going back to Prometheus and finding out where this shit came from. Just all of that is so fascinating. And I, I just, I want to absorb more in it. And it's just, I know that this is going to be one game where I'm not going to be able to put on my big boy DM pants and I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to get fucking triggered. So that's why I'm like, whoever I do, whenever I finally do build something out and I get some, get people to play, I know that I'm going to be like, Hey, look guys, I'm telling you right now, this is not my normal DM style. I'm going to be like really going balls deep into this. And if you're here just to try to see how how badly you can fuck me over, then I'll tell you now, you, you might as well leave because I'll probably just kick you out mid-game. I'm actually going to want to play that because uh, I'm, you know, goofiness aside, I'm a big fan of horror. Well, no, and you're, you're, a decent, you're a decent player. You also jump into a role and try to play as a role. So I, I don't, I don't have a big problem. I'm not super skilled, but I try at least. No, but the thing is, it's not about skill. It's 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 just acting. It's 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 having fun and acting. Yeah, you know, it's just it's it's turning into somebody else. That's that's the whole thing. Um, and yeah, so I'm just I'm I'm, I'm probably going to be super super picky when I finally do get this thing going. Um, and I'm trying to figure out where I want to start it off. I, I'm I'm thinking I may want to start it off right after the first Alien movie, 
but not but before the aliens movie and like start my campaign there and see where that I would go. be pretty cool because you know it's it's safe to say that these xenomorphs are on more planets than just what is it lv245 oh they're on a lot well in the mythos of course they're on a whole bunch but you, you know pretty much at that point in the movies where they're from that you know that one you know they know they're in that area but i mean in the mythos they were in a lot of places but um yeah, yeah i'm just trying to remember a- i'm trying to remember what the what the actual um what the actual planet was because in aliens was it was wait a minute oh my god i can't believe i'm brain farting right now well i mean in after alien, watching after watching all the movies prometheus the origins it's, it's it's hard to keep track of which one was like the not necessarily the original the storyline but the original as far as the chronological order of the movies you know what I no, mean? no no so so in alien they went to a planet and the and the the space jockey was there in aliens were they on the same planet terraforming were they on a planet or was alien on a ship i thought it was a ship they got fucked with i thought they found them on a oh my god i thought i thought it, it was more the i thought it was on a ship crap now i gotta look it up Emperor uh, Google because it's been too long yeah, since I watched yeah that show. I'm, I'm googling it because i'm freaking having a bad day commercial space tug nostromo is returning to earth with seven members crew and stasis Yada, 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 yada. They are from a nearby moon. The ship's computer. Okay, so they're detecting a transmission from a nearby moon. Oh, so they were on a ship, but they went to a moon. Okay, so they we're went both kind of there. Yeah. Well, yeah, they were on a ship, there. yeah, but they w- they went to investigate, I thought, a planet. It was a moon, well, Obviously, yeah. it was a moon. Um, and that's where they got infected. So I'm guessing that this moon... And aliens, What is that? where does that take place? That's an LV something, something, something. Yeah, that's on a planet, right? That is on a planet because they're terraforming the planet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Try to keep my movie straight in my head now. Let's find out. LV426. Oh. That sounds appropriate like something NASA would come up with. Hold on. Early in the director's commentary, Ridley Scott confirms that the planet from Alien. Oh, sorry. The planet from Alien was LV426. But in Prometheus, the planet is LV223. He calls the number romantic. Presumably, this is still the still in the Omicron system from the first Alien movie. So how did the Xenomorphs get on LV-233 and over to LV-426? That's the question. Okay, so LV-426 is the planet from the movie Alien. LV-223 is the, uh, the planet from the movie Prometheus. Okay, so they started off on that planet, but they were also on that moon. Yes, so let's find out... Where was Aliens? LV426. Aliens. Uh, eggs in a derelict ship. Hold on. Uh, or skeptical about her claim of aliens. Oh, no. That's, no. Oh, sorry. Skeptical about her claims for LV246. They find the... Col- oh, no, it is. It's LV2... It's 426. Yeah, it's the same place. So the same place that the alien... Yeah, I thought so. This is why we check, because we trust but validate. Yeah, so in Alien... They went to a moon, or LV-426, and they got infected with the alien, which destroyed, you know, they end up destroying the Nostromo. Uh, in Aliens, they go back to that planet, because when Ripley comes back, the guy tells them that they're terraforming that place. But they lost communication with the colony, so they go out and find the colony deserted. Maybe that's what I'll do tonight. Maybe I'll watch Alien and then Aliens again. I haven't seen them in probably a couple of years. Yeah, that actually sounds like a good idea. Yeah, I would be down. I would be down to do that. But yeah, so anyway, so I'm thinking I'm going to have this start off 
Um, because assuming, and, and maybe I'm assuming wrong, maybe I'll have to do a little more research on this, but I'm assuming that the aliens, the xenomorphs, were on more than one planet. And obviously they were. They were on at least two planets, LV-223 and LV-426. So if... And eventually more uh, in the storyline, eventually even more afterwards or oh, more. Oh, in the storyline, they ended up on Earth too. Yeah, like the aliens. So one of the um, one of the not I want to say rejected scripts, but one of the scripts that came out, one of the considered scripts that came out for Alien Three, was going to have Hicks still alive, uh, fighting next to Ripley. And the end of that movie, it was supposed to be, uh, I think, I think it was supposed to be the end of that movie. It was supposed to be the aliens making it to earth. And that was going to be like the lead into the the following movie. But instead they went with the prison idea, which I mean, I'm okay with the prison idea, but they really should have just, they, they should have left Ripley and everybody else out of that completely and just had an alien on the prison and just said, you know what? Ripley's not going to be involved on this one. Um, because if they did that, then alien resurrection would have never happened, which I enjoyed alien resurrection, but um, I would have been okay if it never happened too. Speaking of all the sci- sci-fi stuff, what do you think about the new uh, Matrix that's going to be coming out? I'm intrigued. So, I, and I, I have a theory. I, in a minute, I want to tell you, I actually have a theory about the whole Matrix thing. Well, I, I'm intrigued because I agree with what Damoc was saying in uh, in chat like yesterday or today or wherever. Where yeah, I didn't even get to read it. Yeah, he, he was talking about the you know first Matrix was good and two and three were, were crap. Um, and I enjoyed two and three, but I agree that they were pretty crap. Um, yeah. I enjoyed the Animatrix more than I enjoyed uh, – I enjoyed the Animatrix probably more than I enjoyed they both weren't as two and three combined. Or it, it, it's kind of impactful as the first one by any means. Yeah, they, they were setting up – like in the first one, they set up Neo to be kind of the, the Jesus character, the savior. And it was like, what do you – like where do you go with that? You've basically made Superman – so how do you make how do you kill Superman? Basically, that's that's what it just boils down to. How do you kill Superman? Um, I liked the idea that the machines kept the kept Zion going. You know, they basically would destroy it and rebuild it, destroy it, and rebuild it type of thing. And I liked that premise. I just think that they kind of went about it. I don't know. They just it, it just never really sat all that well. Like well, the idea of it was like okay, but I just felt like the execution was poor. Yeah. One of the things like, to take into account is that even when they get into the quote-unquote real world of the machines and Zion, that's still part of the Matrix. Neo still retained his powers outside of the Matrix, so he's still in the Matrix. Yeah, but so here's the thing, though, on that. So he was – like all those characters were like fitted with plugs and different adapters and different ways of communicating that we may not have actually been told about. So him being able to, for instance – like when he was able to take down the Sentinels, but just like his mind or whatever, and he passed mm-hmm. out. It took all of his energy and he passed out. In in my mind, my rationalization for that was that he's fitted with all these different, you know, wireless device like a wire, yeah. like, like universal remote. Yeah, I mean, you can't you, you can't imagine like okay, hardwire. Yeah, hardwire is probably the best way to to get whatever energy you're going to get out of them and and all that jazz. But on the flip side, you can't just assume that they turned off all wireless signal for everything. So. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't they use that technology? We had it. So who's to say that that technology didn't exist in them? And that him being able to figure out like just some manner of manipulating that. Holy, holy crap. I can do this. You know, and he did it. Um, him being able to see after he was blinded. Again, 
He's got a whole bunch of plugs and different sensors plugged into him. Who's to say that one of those doesn't attach to the brain and allow him to see what's around him? I had an interesting take on the Matrix. I, I, I mean, I haven't read the books, just watched the movies, but I had an interesting theory on the Matrix. There is no living being in that at all. They're not all a pronouns? single flesh and blood human being and not a single machine as far as inside of it. Have you ever heard of a, a hypothetical like uh, the, the Boltzmann brain? Sounds familiar. It goes hand in hand with simulation theory, right? Okay. And the chance of, like, say, a, a progenitor race, if you created thousands of simulations, say, for instance, and we're thinking, like, oh, at first we were thinking, like, a planet's worth of, like, say, planet-sized computer or planet-sized energy source. No, actually, with, with uh, quantum computing, which may be pretty shortly, you can simulate the thoughts and feelings at people that think they may, like, maybe think they're real, think, you know, have, have you know, feelings and everything else, you know, really advanced AI. You can create, like, millions of those in a quantum computer. Say a nuclear power, you know, power parent and a really powerful quantum computer, you could hypothetically create an entire, you know, little universe, you know, simulation, people living their lives, dying, civilizations rising and falling, what's called, quote unquote, a Boltzmann brain, right? What if the matrix is nothing more than a Boltzmann brain and everybody in it, machine, whatever, they're just doing an experiment on consciousness and seeing people like, oh, what's reality? What, and how does consciousness develop and evolve? And how do people perceive it? And what if you break open that fourth wall a little bit? How does that affect? They might just be trying to discover more about consciousness itself. And it's a, just a really big simulation theory layers where you've got the matrix, the real world. And it's really just nothing but a fucking simulation for scientists. I can see that. Yeah. Just a big Boltzmann brain. That's an, that's an interesting idea. Well, we're going to see in this next movie because from what it looks like, it looks like they've abolished the second and third movie out of whatever canon they're they're doing here because neo and trinity are both alive granted they're both significantly older but they're both alive and you don't see Lawrence fishburne that we know I, of i didn't see Lawrence fishburne which i love morpheus like and I he actually commented character. on it too like he seems kind of jaded too so the question is and then but but keanu reeves was, uh, was promising something special so it's like is he just pretending to be jaded and not included, or is he going to make some sort of a really impactful appearance? See, now I'd be down with that. I'd be down with a little miss, uh, a little miss, miss, uh, dis- or misdirection yep. to, to get us there. That would be fun. I would enjoy that. You know, that, so like that would be another tabletop RPG that I think I would enjoy playing, would be a Matrix style RPG. Yeah. But that would be really like how the only, only thing I'm trying to figure out is how do you make a story in that impactful? Like, other than the very generic, go retrieve this information and get it back to Zion and be the be the saviors type of people. Yeah, and but that also like actually, you. I was just thinking of something else that way. I was thinking about that played into my theory of it being a simulation, right? See, except for the ones that are the chosen and they're awakened. If you had them real flesh and blood human beings, obviously trapped in VR, so you have an avatar, so I can see them taking over that. But at the same time, if you have flesh and blood people, right, at the core, and they're walking around. Anybody that's not quote unquote freed from the matrix can suddenly be taken over by Mr. Smith or some one of the other agents. All of a sudden it's like, they're there, right? Uh huh. Well, what are those agents? A program. If, if this is a flesh and blood person with a soul, a mind and everything else, I mean, granted you could have like their avatar gets taken over, but you know, it, it is VR. But what happens to their consciousness if they're actually conscious human being when they're taken over? So if these are all millions of flesh and blood people, it's like, where does their soul, where does their mind go when they're taken over? I mean, it's like, if they're not just a program, you know, are they like in a coma, like you know, like 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 you know, like when you're in uh, when you get surgery and you're an anesthetic, or I mean, is it is it like you know, how does a program infect true consciousness? Do you know what I mean? Mm. 
So it kind of plays more to that. Everything's just a fucking program. It's a, it's a one big Boltzmann brain simulation saying, what happens if, how does a consciousness evolve? Hmm. How do people react if suddenly they realize that nothing's real? It's like, what's going on? It, it seems like an experiment that they'd pull at one of the, like one of the quantum physicists might be like, let's see what this does. I could see yeah. that. Something like this it might do. So I'm like, I'm just thinking more and more. I'm thinking it almost sounds like nothing's real in that fucking movie. You know, I could see that. Well, I'm, I gotta say, I'm interested to see what this fourth Matrix movie is. If this fourth Matrix movie ends up being like 1.5, or if it just destroys the the following two movies after it, or you know, two and three, or if it goes in like an Elseworld span, you know, span, or yeah. or maybe this is even like another iteration of the Matrix where, you know, basically it's the same characters, it's just a different time. Yeah, back to 1990 again, all over again. Where the fuck am I older? I know. Well, they said they kind of restarted that simulation with different themes several times before they settled on 99. So, I mean. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see. I'm interested to see it. I definitely am. But it does kind of it does kind of bring up as like, you know, what's reality? Because, I mean, if you can really plug in and be that much of a like, you know, pretty much in the real world a meat puppet, but, you know, actually like, you know, experience a whole world. What's funny is even even some sort of top scientists, you know, like, you know, and we're talking about like, say, you know, quantum physicists and other things. It, it's like one of the ongoing theories is that you know, our brain creates like the reality, right? It really isn't the objective reality. Like we're creating like, you know, facsimile of everything, almost like, like icons on a desktop. You know, we recognize everything and pretty much to us, it seems real. But there's one scientist that argues that it's not even av- evolutionary advantageous for us to see everything that really is as it is, as it truly is. Like that would take a lot of energy and everything. I mean, it's like, we need to just get by and survive and reproduce. So why would we be able to fully understand the whole and see the whole of objective reality? It wouldn't even be evolution I have in tages from. So I, I've been reading up some stuff like that as just like, wow, what if, you know? Because they're trying to struggle to figure out what, what is space-time? What is space made of? What is the universe even made out of? Yeah, we could say particles in this, but what is the, like, you know, like quantum field theory of the fields? What is the nature of, of the shit around us, the reality, what we, what we exist in? They can't even define fully define gravity. It's like what what is it? And it looks like there's holes. Even they're looking more and more like you know, even Einstein's theory of relativity doesn't quite hold up. I mean, it's like none of the theories are quite holding up. And it's like we might not quite be right at all. Well, that's the thing is that we can only report on what we perceive. I mean, that's the one thing that I think Schrodinger got when he was talking about. Well, I mean, the Schrodinger cat experiment is the cat alive or dead? He's both. Because nobody's perceived what's happened. Nobody's observed the, the perception. Actually, not quite. You're actually off on that. Really? Historically. Now, that's how it's taught, right? That Schrodinger is trying to put, you know, you can't quite perceive. And part of it is also that in quantum physics, right? Unlike, you know, the macroscopic now, at the quantum level, reality is a lot fuzzier, right? So shit can exist in two states at once. Up, down, alive, dead, it doesn't, until it's observed, it doesn't settle into reality. It sits there in kind of a state of all realities and then settles on one, right? Mm-hmm. When Schrodinger came up with, now that's how they teach Schrodinger's cat to try to get to this point. It's like, it's in all states until it settles in one and it's observed. And when you say observed, you think like godlike powers, I see it and I change reality. No, what are we doing when we observe at the quantum level? It's very, very tiny. We shoot a photon at it, which is like hitting something with a baseball. It's like, I changed the scientific outcome. I just hit something physically with something, mm-hmm. right? So in reality, the power of observation is actually causing the, the, the waveform to collapse. But it's really, we're actually changing something. Mm-hmm. 
But when they say that all states exe- exist at the same time, Schrodinger's equations now try- is trying to teach that that's, that's kind of to get you to understand that. Schrodinger himself called bullshit was trying to say, this is fucking ridiculous, guys. How is a, li- a cat both alive and dead? And when he gave, came up with that thing, they're like, you got it. That's a great explanation. He's like, no, I think it's bullshit. <laughs> Schrodinger did not believe it. He thought it was horseshit. So he was trying to say, this is ridiculous. Something's not alive and dead. But they're like, yes, you got it. And he's like, no, what the fuck, guys? <laughs> but it's still, so it's, it's actually, still a great way to explain it down to someplace that we can understand it. It's taught like that, but that's not what he meant. That's what I meant that you were a little off because Schrodinger actually didn't mean it like that. He was trying to call bullshit, but it wound up being a very powerful tool for people to understand the, 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 the reason is that we, we can't even really quite see what's going on. So it's a probability we can predict. And if it's like most often, it's going to end up right here. So it, now it's there and it's, it's like, okay, that, that's right. The mathematics are right. And it's like, okay, what's the probability it's going to happen? And when we finally observe it, it's like, yeah, that, that, that matched the probability we thought. We can't really quite see what's going on in, our, in, our, in the act of observing because we have to use photons or some way to observe it. We can't just passively observe it. We're changing the outcome. So when we're changing the outcome, can we really say that we're just, yeah, yeah, look at that experiment. The experiment's supposed to be kind of like, you know, a control. Mm-hmm. But we're fucking with the control. We're fucking with it. Because at that level, it's so small. We can't observe it except with, without bouncing off like a photon from a laser. So it's like, aha, I observed it and it went left. No, you punched it left like you hit it with a fucking freight train guy. It went left because you hit it. Yeah, you hit it with a baseball bat and it went in the direction you hit it. But that's the thing is, is we really have no other way to observe the quantum level. And so the best guess is that it can exist in all states. And then when we observe it, it collapses in the one and that becomes reality, the most likely. And Schrodinger just said, it just doesn't fucking make sense, man. My cat's not both alive and dead. He's one or the other in that fucking box. And they're like, well, how do you know? Well, you open the box. <laughs> yeah, you got to open Well, the waveform collapses and it just chooses one. But it, until then, he's both. And he's like, you know, you're not just both alive. If I lock you in a box, you know if you're alive or dead guy. <laughs> So but there's it, a, there's the thing, the though, is that at that point in time, the person's observing it. They're observing that they're alive until they're dead. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's the thing. Is it, it's kind of like the chicken in the egg. You know, is, is, you know, the tree falls in the forest and it doesn't really make a sound. I mean, you know, without observation, you can't prove anything. That's the whole point of all this, you know, without yeah. observation. But I, I just thought it was funny, a little tidbit for you. But that's the whole thing about the Matrix, too, is that what is, what is around us, well, what we perceive is what's around us. Yeah. So that, what, 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 what we see is reality. Like, we can only perceive three dimensions, right? Mm-hmm. If there was a fourth spatial, and I'm not including time, but a fourth spatial dimension, we can't even comprehend. We could not even physically see it. Even mm-hmm. if our eyes picked up the information, our brains couldn't build the construct. It's beyond us. Could there still be a fourth dimension? Mathematically, theoretically, yes. But it would, it would, it would look like um, one of those cubes that constantly like rotate and move in and out. Like, if something came from, like, the, 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 from the fourth dimension to the third, what it would look like, the best description that scientists have is say, for instance, if you're a TD, right? A 2D slice, you're actually living in a 2D world and something came from the three dimension. Would you see a finger coming in for you? No, you'd see slivers at a time. That fingertip as it grew bigger, this big circle, and then it would just pull away. Then it would poke over here. It's like impossibly fast. You're like, God powers. But it's just, you just can't observe the fact that they're just stepping outside and poking through here or here. It seems like you're doing stuff that's impossible, but it's like, I'm just using the extra fucking dimension, guys. There's, there's, there's three of them. So to us, a fourth dimensional being would be like godlike. They'd be like, that can't go from there to there that quick. And you wouldn't observe the true shape of it. You'd see a piece of it so it'd look weird or it wouldn't be fully like you really couldn't observe it correctly. In fact, something like something true, you know, moving in and out of a um, like a fourth spatial dimension, 
would actually really describe the the kind of the acts and kind of like the not really observing them well and they're here everywhere, kind of like the supposed UFOs and shit. Well, it also it would also describe ghosts. Mm-hmm. Well, kind not really. Well, from what people describe as seeing ghosts, is like there's like a, a shadowy figure of like a human, right? But if you were a fourth dimensional being and you're crossing in from the fourth dimension, well, I don't know. Maybe you'd see a sliver of the, the human form, but I mean, you, you probably wouldn't be a human crossing over. You know what I well, mean? But but the thing it is, most, be like my dead grandma. Yeah, most of the time though, people can't say that they see like an actual being. Like very rarely do you hear people a, say a they see a. Thing. Yeah, that very rarely do you hear them say that they see a full on apparition, like in Ghostbusters. They a usually see some sort a, of. Like, a shape you know, or something caught know, in the corner yeah. of their eye or some bending of light or, you know, yeah. some orb now, flying case, through their vision cave. In which case that would be, yes, that would expl- that, that actually could be explained by a hypothetical something kind of poking in from a, another spatial dimension. Hmm. Yeah. But that's all mathematical hypothetical. I mean, obviously, oh, yeah. you know, nobody knows, but that's just a cool thing. And obviously, it's taken into account that if these reports are somewhat accurate, not something that's just mundane or just bullshit you know that's, yeah, that's just you know somebody seeking attention who knows exactly which could be one more all the above maybe there's some that actually are legit and you know yeah but you'd never know because everybody nowadays is trying to throw it on tiktok and make themselves 15 minutes of fame and then of course you could say well the stuff that the military put out but then again they're part of the military is misinformation misdirection and <laughs> to mess with their enemies so it's like even then it's like you can't quite trust but it yeah. is cool to think about like we could literally have an entire world of beings living amongst us and we could never observe because they're just like, yeah, this poster of these idiots are pretty cool. <laughs> we just be basically a poster of dipshits to them, you know? Well, yeah, the same way that we observe, for instance, cartoons. yeah, or cartoons or a comic book. Mm-hmm. The same way that we observe that, people, other beings could be observing us like that. Yeah, like we joke about the, 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 the fourth wall in comic books. Well, fourth dimension, maybe we're sitting there looking at, is there a fourth wall? <laughs> Yeah, never know. Well, man, on that note, where can people find you at? People can find me, of course, uh, haunting our Discord at GNA Podcast. I've got my own little Discord too, uh, Microbrew Gamers. Microbrewgamers.com is my website. I've also got my YouTube channel. I've got uh, Twitter, uh, Twitch, Instagram, Facebook. I'm kind of like a little bit of here or there everywhere. But, you know, I I pretty much put out my chill like, you know, when I'm not working after death, I'm, you know, haunting here. Very nice. And I'm Cecil Xavier, your host. You can find me on Cecil vs. Games on Twitter, Cecil Xavier everywhere else. You stream Twitch, Facebook, Steam, Grinder, 3Play. I don't know. Find me somewhere. I'm all over the place. But uh, sometimes with an underscore, sometimes without. I don't know. Find me. If I'm not there, let me know. I'll go there too. We hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Pod, uh, reviews help people find the show. So if you enjoy listening to us, let other people know. You can find us on Apple, iTunes, po- Google Play, Google Play Podcasts, uh, Spreaker, Your Listen, MyTuner, Spotify, iHeartRadio, a whole bunch of other places. If you can't find us there, let us know. We'll upload there too. Um, we have a partnership with Humble Bundle. Humble Bundle is a game purchasing service just like you normally would have, but with a little twist. When you buy a bundle of games, you donate a bunch to charity. Um, if you put a question mark partner equals GNA podcast at the end of whatever Humble Bundle link you have, they will let us, that will tell them that we sent you. Um, and we'll get a little metric saying how much how much money we made for charity 
we don't want any of your money. There's usually a slider where you can give some money to us. We don't want it. Give whatever you're going to give to us over to charity or give it to the developers. Maybe throw a buck or two to Humble Bundle. But uh, yeah, we're really doing it more to try to drum up support for charity. So yeah, please support there. Yeah, we all have our daytime jobs, so we're cool there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and our website is www.gnapodcast.com. You can go check out every episode that we have uploaded there. Uh, on some of the, the podcast places, uh, we don't have all of our episodes up. We only have like from 150 or 170 or something like that on. Uh, just because of storage reasons and how much it costs to host on every other place. But if you want to get to everyone, just go to www.gnapodcast.com. Every one of them is listed there. You can listen to all of them back from the first episode where Grave started to episode 56 transitions where Matt Man and I took over. And then shortly after that where it was, uh, it was me taking the full reins. So check it all out. Uh, if you want to write to us, GNA Podcast at GNA and your DNA dot one. Send your questions, comments, death threats. We don't care. We just want to hear from you. The Nigerian prince has even stopped emailing us, so that's how that's how popular we feel. <laughs> well, D, I don't remember what even when I started it. I think I started it like somewhere like just shortly before one of the hundred the episode. Like in, uh, was it in the eighties or nineties? I think I started. Yeah, you you as I say, you started later. Yeah, you started a bit later on because Blue came in, helped out. I think I think you joined in, and then Zyber joined in. Um, I may have that backwards. I don't know. I guess I'll go back in time and listen to some episodes and find out. <laughs> but anyways, man, thank you so much for joining me. I had a blast talking. What the hell did we talk about? We talked about aliens. We talked about the Matrix. I, was gonna say, I remember aliens and we're going to get an RPG started, man. That's what I remember. I was going to say, I'll say, yeah, we got aliens. We've got RPGs. We've got the Matrix. We've got quantum physics. And I got a lessons on Schrodinger's cat. So it was a good night. <laughs> I say, is it alive or dead? Well, it depends. You send it to the Chinese food restaurant. <laughs> it's all dead. Yeah. yeah. May, they may actually be able to resuscitate it. Who knows? <laughs> well, they, do, they, they are doing those unethical experiments. <laughs> well, man, have a great night. <laughs> you too, dude. Bye, man.